0: To another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball. So expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. We have two very special guests today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. First off, from the Impact, please welcome Ian Evans. How's it going, everybody? And from the Hear Me Out Podcast, please welcome Brooks Warren. To do, you guys, thank you for having me. We need to get right into this because we have a lot of NBA stuff to talk about. But I want to start with these Draymond Green comments. Draymond Green said, I think I'm the best defender to ever play this game. Now, on Instagram, Jalen asked all of us who we think are the top five best defenders in the league right now. So I'm going to start with Ian on this one. You said, in no particular order, Rudy Gobert, Anthony Davis, Giannis, Draymond Green, and Kawhi Leonard. You did not rank these individuals, so rank the top five. R- rank these players as the top five defenders right now in the league.
1: I,
2: man, I got put on the spot already. Man, <laughs> man. <laughs>
1: I tried this to ask you in the DMs. I tried to ask you in the DMs to set you up. You, you, you didn't take gate, bro. Or, you didn't I, take ball I, or, Quick
2: quick disclaimer. I didn't know nothing about what was going on today. We just <laughs> go do we, we said we was gonna do catching up around the NBA. all right, let's do it. So I said, I said Rudy, AD, Kawhi, Dre, and who else did I say?
0: You yeah. said Giannis.
2: Giannis. <sighs> You know what, I'm, I'm going to get crucified, but I don't care. I'm not prepared for this. Um, I, I'd i say best defender. I'm going to have to go with Rudy right now. I mean, he's having a solid year defensively. Um, I mean, I, I don't I haven't looked at his numbers in a minute, but I'm pretty sure he's up to at least uh, one and a half or two blocks a game somewhere along those lines. Um, honestly, if I'm going next, it probably have to be Giannis. I mean, he did just win deploy last year. Um, third I only uh, i hate this already um third i'm gonna have to put um you know what i'll I'll put dre right there i would actually no i'll go Kawhi, then i'll go dre and then i'll go ad just based on that um crucify the list go ahead because i was not prepared for this so yeah
1: (laughs) after Draymond.
2: see that's just go ahead just do whatever i'm I'm switching whatever bro (laughs)
0: Hey, I think we caught Ian with the LMS surprise. Um, but yeah, I got, I got to move on to Brooks with this one because no particular order. You said Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert, and Ben Simmons. So you did not, I, Ian did not have Ben Simmons in that list. So Brooks, I just want to ask why do you have Ben Simmons in your list? I think first and foremost, man, I'm not the
3: biggest fan of the guy. Um, I, I understand the play the impact he has playmaking-wise. Um, I just want to see more from the guy, man, especially since he was, he's crowned up next, quote-unquote, from, like, LeBron and then all of them. Like, this is a guy who's supposed to be a future MVP candidate, may not even be the best player on his team this season. So it's is crazy to me. Um, but, yeah, I feel like this year he's really grown defensively. He's shown off a whole lot. Um, you hear people all around the league or coaches all around the league saying, oh, yeah, Benson Simmons has been tremendous for the 76ers defensively. So that's my pick. Um, And again, I've seen the guy just be able to deflect, get steals, all that, um, actually lock up people. So I think that's important for him. Um,
0: So, yeah. And I don't want to leave you out of this, Brooks. So (laughs) I want to ask you to rank your top five defenders. Okay, so
3: I said, I'm looking at the thing right now. Kawhi, Giannis, Draymond, Gobert, and Ben Simmons. Uh, Kawhi, definitely number one. Uh, Giannis, Giannis number two, simply because, like like Ian said, he won deep play last year, so you have to put him in there. Uh, I'll, I'll say Draymond number three. I'll go with Ben Simmons number four. And Gobert number five, because... Gobert, out of all of them, is probably the weakest one as far as not being able to be switchable and being able to guard out one through five. Like, the dude's going to get burned every time. You see it every single time he's out there in the perimeter. But he's going to block shots, and that's the most important thing. So I would say number five for Gobert.
0: Jalen, so your your top five is Rudy Gobert, Anthony Davis. or I don't know if it's, you said it was in no order, or was this your top five?
1: I didn't make an order. We can, oh, we can do all right. It.
0: So I have to so I'm gonna include Jalen on this one because Jalen did not make a top five. Uh he didn't make it, he, he did not rank his top five defenders. He had Rudy Gobert, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, Ben Simmons, and Kawhi Leonard. Jalen, rank your top five defenders right now.
1: I mean, I'm trying to figure out whether the the, the... Brooks, maybe we can elaborate on this a little bit further, but, like, Ruigo Gobert, at five. The only reason why I find that kind of interesting is because he's literally the defensive anchor for one of the better, U- like, Utah Jazz defenses, not just, like, this year, but, like, over the last three or four seasons. And the biggest thing is, like, they build everything around him defensively and offensively. Like, I understand when you look at it from an offensive standpoint, you see the numbers from Donovan Mitchell. You see the fact that, like, you know, a guy like Joe Ingles might like break the record for like true shooting percentage, like of all time and different stuff like that offensively. But a lot of the things that they do from a pick and roll standpoint, a lot of the switching they do offensively screen and screening rolls and all that stuff like that is through Rudy. A lot of the stuff that they build offensively and defensively in terms of being able to play Off the ball, like a lot of their off the ball switching and stuff is built by the fact that they know they have that guy behind them. So although he's not switchable, he makes those other guys in front of him switchable because regardless of whether or not they pass off different things like that, they still funnel to him. And a lot of people don't want no smoke with that. So I think that Rudy, I think Rudy's, I think Rudy's number one, honestly, in this entire group. I think that he's the guy that controls a lot of the gravity for his team defense specifically um after that i gotta go with ad ad was really strong a uh off uh defensively last season and he was that was really his calling card for most of the beginning of the year because offensively we weren't really getting like what we thought we were gonna get from ad coming off a chip you know what i mean like we didn't see like MVP caliber AD like we had certain spurts here and there where we thought that he was one of the best players in the in the world, but it was really his his defensive anchorship I guess you could call it similar to Rudy Gobert that really was what piqued interest for the Lakers in terms of his performance after that. I like Draymond, but I gotta go with Ben. I think Ben has just been a lot more active. I think one of the biggest things with him is that I think that Ben might actually be a little bit more switchable than Draymond is overall, just because I think that he plays a lot more actively. He, the guy that from a steal standpoint, tends to always be up there. Um, I, although Draymond is more of like a two through five guy, Ben's like a one through four with like a small ball five kind of I can give you problems kind of thing. So I think that Ben has probably been extremely versatile. Now, I think you might have a very strong point about him not even being the best player on his team. One could argue he may at least this season might not even be the best defender on his team, depending on how you want to look at what Joel Joel Embiid has done defensively prior to his injury so there is that but I think that being Ben Simmons is just so switchable to, uh, between positions that have the ball in their hands so much that I can't sleep on that I got Draymond and then I got Kawhi the thing with Kawhi being five is just that these last two seasons everybody gassed him and Paul George up as being like this Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen defensive you know wing lineup but like then they get against teams like Dallas with Luka Doncic and there's like conga lines to the basket and you know as one of the one of the so-called better one-on-one defenders I mean he's getting eaten up by I mean granted these are like high level offensive talents Luka Doncic Damian Lillard so on and so forth Uh, Bradley Beals another one but like at the same time if you're so high level of defender I mean if you're getting murdered offensively Against these guys, especially when it's like in the paint stuff, because Luca's not killing anybody from three. He is recently, but like not over the course of his first few seasons. If you're getting killed by guys like that in turn, like inside by letting them pass on -on one-on-one matchups, Kawhi Leonard's still up there, but I can't call him like the best or like top three when against other wings and other guards. He's like kind of regressed a little bit over the last two
0: seasons. I think that's interesting. And I I think it, it's just interesting to see also how many of the injuries this year. Another thing that's really another thing that's really been surprising is the injuries um, and a lot of injuries this year, too. Um, let's just talk about some of them real quick. LaMelo Ball with the fractured wrist, LeBron James sprained ankle, Joel Embiid, bruised Knee, Kevin Durant strained hamstring, Anthony Davis strained calf. Um, James Wiseman sprained wrist, Klay Thompson early in the season with the torn Achilles. This is just a small uh, handful of the injuries this year. And Ian, I want to start with you on this one, because I think the team that's really affected the most is the Lakers. And with LeBron and AD both being out, Ian, what do you believe the chances are that the Lakers finish in the top four?
2: I mean, there's still a decent amount of season left. Um, I, I wouldn't be quick to just, you know, say, oh, well, let's bounce them out the top four. I think they'll still have to grind to get back into it, but I think they'll be fine down the stretch. I think they'll finish either at three or four. Um, my thing is I, I'm i very skeptical about Anthony Davis's injury. Um, I say this because I don't even know when he sustained the injury. What, like February, like early February maybe? Um Around. And he, he got reevaluated multiple times and still hasn't found his way back onto a court. Same thing with Kevin Durant. Like there's a little little news about their injuries from time to time. And I feel like it's more serious than people are actually saying it is. But that's besides the point. Um regarding to the Lakers, um, I think they'll be fine. I mean, they're still a, a solid-ish team without LeBron and AD. I mean, granted, they'll probably slip from time to time, like they'll probably have I don't know, 500 records and, you know, in like the next 10 games or so, like could probably go five and five or something along those lines, depending on who they play. But um, in, in regards to implications for like making a deep run, uh, it, it makes it tough for them. Like the Lakers are inde- definitely in trouble here, uh, especially when you got you know the best player in the world, LeBron James, and you got one of the best, I mean, four or five, whichever you want to call it, in Anthony Davis, you really don't have those two anchors on your squad. I mean, Last thing I'm going to say is, oh, Kyle Kuzma take me to the promised land because I <laughs> drug test me if I ever say that. So, um, yeah, it, it, um, the implications are all there. I just think don't hit the panic button just yet because they're still good enough to make that run.
0: And I know LeBron James is still in the MVP conversation, and I feel like his injury might hurt his chances of winning the MVP. But another player I want to talk about is lamoa Ball because it seems like he was the surefire pick for the Rookie of the Year. And, Brooks, I want to go to you on this one. Does LaMelo's injury affect his Rookie of the Year status?
3: I I want to say no, just because I feel like – I don't know. LaMelo – it feels like LaMelo's really separated himself so much from the rest of the pack. Uh, And, you know, Anthony Edwards, he can definitely catch up. He can definitely make it a very, very close race. But the guy is still – what, maybe third fiddle on that team, you know, Lamello ball. We know LaMelo ball. He has the ball in his hands all the time. He affects winning so much, not not even just offensively, but defensively too. Uh The guy's been consistently solid the whole season, and he hasn't even hit that, you know, that supposed rookie wall yet. Maybe with this injury, that's a rookie wall. But, you know, it just feels like he's been consistently good enough that he maybe not run away with the award but he definitely has it in, in in a good standing there um unless anthony edwards brings the timberwolves to like an, an uh, amazing winning streak i just feel like it's not up for anthony edwards right now i think it's just lamella balls
0: award to lose and i feel like there's more players that are um really affecting their team right now because they're not on the floor and jalen i want to turn to you on this one because we named a lot of different players. And they all have a different effect on their teams, on their respective teams. So who is another player that we have not mentioned that has taken – that that a team has taken a big hit on without them or without them being around?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know if it's, like, been a – I don't know if it's going to be a big hit, but the Warriors are just, like, in a real weird situation because they have a lot of decisions to make. Kelly Oubre has been a guy that's been – in trade conversations for a lot and he's got about 24 to 48 hours left before he could potentially be moved again which is unfortunate for him because he's been having a really good um stretch over the last 20 or so games after really struggling early out in the season couldn't hit a three could only seem to hit dunks that was the only thing that he actually was able to do and then defensively he wasn't really the most you know uh assertive guy either despite being a guy who plays you know pretty strong and plays with some pretty high-level efforts. So, I mean, that's really good for them. The fact that Andrew Wiggins has been a guy who's kind of been, like, this weird coming-of-age story, despite the fact that this is a guy who, like, was once upon a time the first overall pick in the NBA draft. Like, the fact that we're super excited about him doing what he's doing on both sides of the ball as a guy that we thought had the measurables and ability athletically to do this coming out the draft. I don't, it's kind of interesting that we're getting excited about that. And I mean, I think that just, I mean, losing Steph, it was hard enough coming into the season, losing clay, you lose Steph. There's a lot more of that that comes from now they've seen guys like Damian, uh, Damian Lee, um, Oh, man, there's a there's a handful of guys for the Warriors that have just really kind of done really well. Nico Mannion has been a good facilitator for them coming back from the G League. I think that might have been the best thing for him was getting a little bit of burn down there. Um, I just think that the Warriors are not in the best position to be missing out on an MVP caliber player like Steph Curry this late to the season. I think all these teams that are losing MVP or all-star caliber players for certain stretches of time, even if it's... As long, I mean, more so I mean this in terms of guys that are going to be out for like three, three four plus games, two plus two plus weeks. It not only messes with their momentum going into the playoffs, because that's going to be there's going to be a certain time frame in those last 10 games where they're going to have to kind of like recuperate. But it also like in both the East and the West, the bottom parts are so close that teams like the Warriors, for example, who are in a very, very weird position as one of those teams in the mix between seven and, like, honestly, like seven and 12, where missing out on a guy like Steph Curry could be the difference between making the playoffs comfortably, being in the play-in, and completely being out. And that could just be over the difference of a couple of games. So I would say Steph Curry is probably the guy.
0: And we're talking about a lot of different injuries. And another injury that we mentioned not was Kemba Walker. And this is a a transition to Ian on this one because we're going to discuss some more of our favorite teams. Of course, we're going to talk about the Washington Wizards. But I want to start with Ian on this one because the Celtics currently sit in eighth right now, 21 and 22 record, five and five in the last 10 games. They've battled injuries through most of the season. You know, Kemba's been out, Jason Tatum's been out for a short period of time. I have to ask Ian, I mean, do, do you have faith that the Celtics are going to make the playoffs?
2: Uh yeah, I mean, if you look at the stand, if you look at the standings, we're a half game back from fifth place. Why well, I'm really not that worried. I mean, we have a solid squad. I mean, Marcus Smart said we have time. to still have time to figure it out. If we want to make a move for the trade deadline, please, Andy Ainge, God, we need to make a move. We have to make some sort of move because the bench reduction is not there. But I'm not really worried. Um, if if anything. We should, we should be talking about what we talked off screen at last time when we talked about the paces and Bulls. We can come back to that later because that's going to be very interesting anyway. Um, but in regards to the Celtics, I think we'll be fine. It's just more of just meshing with each other. I don't think we'll trade Kemba. Uh, people were talking about it earlier in the year. Um, I think what's interesting is who will we move to try and get a guy like Aaron Gordon who's been in rumors with the Celtics. Honestly, I think he'd help a lot because he can stretch the floor at the four position, which we actually relatively need. Um, granted, we've been playing Jason Tatum at the four from time to time, but if we move him to the three, to wh- it would help us out if we somehow found a way to get Aaron Gordon. I don't know if we will, but I think we'll be fine. It's just, I mean, again, like you look at the standings, we're a half game back from fifth place. So there's a lot of stuff in the the East.
0: So it's interesting that you mentioned that because we know Aaron Gordon was in trade mm-hmm. talks and he just requested a trade from Orlando. Ian, I want to continue with this. I want to continue with this topic because I think Aaron Gordon is a huge addition to any team that he goes to. But what do you think the Celtics are going to do um, in terms of trading for Aaron Gordon? Do you have a player in mind or a couple of draft picks? Like, what what scenario do you see um, the what, what's what scenario do you see Boston um, using to trade for Aaron Gordon?
2: Uh, I mean, a lot of things could happen. Um, I think we might either trade a lot of picks or a lot of players it's one or the other um I'm I'm hearing like we might be able to I don't want to because I love him um like Robert Williams might be in that conversation which would honestly like I'd probably cry like in my room you know dark no dark room probably cry because I love Time Lord I mean that man needs so much more never mind um, but uh, I mean, guys like Robert Williams, maybe even the rookie Peyton Pritchard, maybe some first and seconds in there for Aaron Gordon. I mean, it's, it's going to be a big package. I'll say that because the Celtics don't really have a lot of guys that are willing to move, but you got to look at their bench. Um, I don't think we want to trade Kemba or obviously our core guys and Jalen Brown and, um, Jason Tatum, obviously, but you're looking at bench guys that have done like that have had some production. So you're looking at uh, maybe even like a small piece, like even though he's injured as well, Romeo Langford might be in that. Cause you know, th- there's always a small piece guy in some sort of trade package, whether it be might be sending him down to the G league or something like that. But like I said before, it's either a lot of picks. So like we could be giving up a lot of firsts or seconds in one player or you, you know, flip it and go, okay, we might give up a lot of players. Like, like I said, you know, like Romeo, like we might even throw like a Carson Edwards in there who a guy we, we use from top on and off on the court, but It it depends on, uh, honestly, what Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge want to do. But uh, I'm I'm hearing a lot of Robert Williams' conversations in regards to these trade rooms. I'm not liking it, so.
1: I have my own, like, real question. I'm going to pose this to both of you, because, Brooks, you ain't talked in a minute either. So I kind of want to get your way in on this. But, Ian, as the Celtics fan, though, do you even want Aaron Gordon? Like, I feel like that's, like, a whole separate conversation. Now, like, I understand Tristan Thompson. I'm I'm sure I – I'm sure you could go in on him for a while. Yeah, I'm sure you could go in for him for a while. But Tristan Thompson, no, not really. Robert Williams, I know that you didn't want to elaborate it, but I know the idea that you're going for is that the PT is not there. He's not getting the kind of playing time. And for a guy that's able to do so much, but is not getting the chance to really showcase it a lot, I think he's their lead big and they don't know. And that's the most interesting part about it. When you talk about guys like Aaron Gordon being in the mix, but I mean, there's been other guys been associated with you guys as well. Like Harrison Barnes at the forward spot or Evan Fournier from that same team. So when you think about it from guys like that being on the block, I mean, uh, Brooks, you could chime in on this too, but like, do you even want Aaron Gordon? Like there's a lot of talks that involve Marcus smart. I'm sure you're not doing that. Romeo Lankford is a cool piece, but I'm sure you're gonna have to throw picks in there, which like, I think logically we all can agree that Danny Hinch probably won't do because we've seen him not do it for lesser players, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George come to mind. Like these are better players than Aaron Gordon, and they didn't make the they didn't make those kind of moves then. And then the question comes down to, does Aaron Gordon even make your team better? So, like, where do you stand on a guy like him being added? Or do you think there's somebody better in these conversations that you would much rather see?
2: Um I'm going to keep it quick because I know Brooks ain't talking a minute, but I don't want Aaron Gordon, honestly. Uh, I say this because he's going to take a lot of shots. I mean, if you watch if you watch the Magic play, Aaron, uh, Aaron Gordon has, I mean, obviously he's a versatile player. He can shoot from time to time, and obviously he's good in the post, but that's how the Magic work. They have a four like that because, I mean, like in the pick and roll, you can kick out Vucevic, who's been honestly lights out from three as of late like we don't have that in tice you know what i mean obviously tice isn't uh obviously not even close to being an all-star but like Vucevic is an all-star that works in that system if we do that in uh, first of all we have basically obviously we have J- jb kemba and tatum in the backcourt and all of our front guy, all of our i guess front court guys Really, just crash the boards. If you really look at it, that's all we really do. Aaron is not going to be able to do that, and obviously, that's going to make us worse in some regards. Like, sure, can he stretch out the floor? Yes, but that's not necessarily what we need. What we need is a guy who can reliably hit the three, and on top of that, like basically a solid three and D guy. That's what we need. So, you mentioned Harrison Barnes. I would actually be fine with that. Granted, restructure that contract. I don't know mm-hmm. about that, I but I would be fine with Harrison Barnes on a team like that. Because think about it. If you look at him on the Kings, you know what I mean. Like he doesn't like demand shots he knows that Halliburton Fox and Heald are going to get their shots but when he's there he's reliable that's a guy I will want on my squad Aaron Gordon not necessarily because he's not a guy you would think oh he's going to crash boards every time down the down the you know uh, on every offensive possession. that's not necessarily what we need we need a guy that's three and D but can also produce off the bench and honestly you put I don't know how you would do it. You could either put Mark. Actually, that would work great. You put Marcus Smart on the bench, six man off the bench, that would work tremendously. That would help our bench significantly. Um, but, yeah, in, in regards to um, Aaron Gordon, it's just, it just wouldn't work. I'm, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying in regards to the Celtics system, it just would in my eyes, it just wouldn't work.
1: Brooks, I mean, what's up with it? Because, I mean, Aaron Gordon, I mean, look, he's been robbed out of plenty of slam dunk contests. I agree wholeheartedly but in terms of him being a championship level player I don't know and I mean okay I understand that trade talks ramp up a little bit more when he puts the request in which I don't know what a like a player of Aaron Gordon's caliber putting a trade request in means for the magic but I mean in terms of their timeline they've always been a team associated with having way too many starters not enough stars seems like Aaron Gordon obviously falls into that category and although the cat the 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 Celtics, they have the stars in place, but, Ian, you know this because you've watched them the last two, three seasons in particular. What is the Celtics' biggest hole from an offense and a defensive standpoint? Rebounding. It's been one of the biggest things that's hurt them overall. It's been one of the biggest things that's taken them out of series. So when you know Aaron Gordon doesn't really provide that at a high clip, like, do you see any value in bringing him in? I, I think it's kind of the same question. Like, do you think there's any point in bringing Aaron Gordon in, especially with what you might have to trade? Is it somebody else you would much rather see than make a play for? Like, where do you stand on the Celtics in terms of the trade talks? Because they ain't got much time.
3: Um, I mean, I, I agree with, with Ian. Like, this Celtics don't need another forward, another slow-moving kind of guy on that team. You know what I mean? Just like, like Ian said, you know, he – Gonna get you post-ups. He's gonna electrify the he's gonna electrify the environment with those dunks. He can shoot a little bit, but he's not the difference maker that the Celtics need. Jalen, exactly like you said, they need rebounding and they need a little more defensive effort. And I mean, I don't know who who you can get on there out, out on the trade block that you could really get to replace that um that type of production or replace that type of defensive effort. Maybe, you know, we 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 spoke about him a couple episodes ago when we were all on together, uh Jerry and Grant. Jeremy Grant, whoever he is, like, <laughs> that sounds real mad. That sounds mad casual, but one of the Grant brothers, um, they need to get him on that team because, again, the dude can shoot, he can defend, he's going to get you rebounds. I feel like he could be someone that you could get. Obviously, he's not going to be on a trade block. The Pistons don't need to continue to dump off people because, again, they're a black hole as a franchise anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's just it's a whole lot of questions that the Celtics need to do. They, they play the Bucs these next two games on primetime ESPN, they just had a meeting, team meeting two, three days ago, right? On the 21st, they need to get it together and get this ball rolling, man. Cause they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be 21 and 22. They should be at least in the thirties, you know, they should be top three in the Eastern conference. And they kind of underwhelmed. It's surprising for me. Cause I think the way Jalen Brown is playing right now, he might be overtaking Jason Tatum as the most important player on that team. Maybe the, even the best player on that team. I think, the difference between the two is the fact that obviously Jason Tatum is naturally a better scorer and naturally a bucket, but Jalen Brown, to me at least, he's a better all-around player. He's going to defend, can play make a little bit for you, and he can shoot and he can score a little bit. So
0: I feel like he could take that spot as a, as the best player on that team right now. I think it's interesting that we're we're talking about you know J- Jalen Brown being the guy to overtake Jason Tatum because I feel like. If Jason or if, if Jalen Brown was on a different team, I feel like we may be, we may, we may be talking about this guy as an MVP. I don't know if he's going to be an MVP on the Celtics, considering that, you know, you have Kemba and you have Jason Tatum. I think that Jason Tatum is the most important player right now on this team. I think it's going to take some time for Jalen or for Jalen Brown to overtake that role. But I think if Jalen Brown ends up on a different team, we we could be saying a lot of different things about him, including MVP. But I feel like we've reached that point in the podcast where we have to talk about the Washington Wizards. Um I mean, I don't want to, you know, send a sense of false hope throughout this podcast.
2: Well, you could do it
0: if you want. <laughs> um wow. but I feel like we have to mention the fact that the trade deadline is coming up and I don't know. I think I feel like we have to start with the Wizards fans first. So, Brooks, I want to start with you on this one, because the Washington Wizards, I don't know if they're going to make a trade. I don't know if they're going to make a, a chance to – or I don't know if they're going to have a chance to trade Bradley Beal. And I feel like we're going to have to have this conversation again, but does Bradley Beal get traded at the trade deadline?
3: No. You shouldn't. If you're going to trade him, bro, trade him in the offseason – Trade him when you can actually get like oh, a buttload of, of, of things, like a draft pick, draft picks, uh, I don't even know, equitable talent, something like that, man. Bradley Bill does not need me to trade him right now. I'm gonna keep saying that over and over again. Free Bradley Bill at some point, if you have to, but right now, nah. He's the he is the asset of this team. Um, people keep saying the Lakers, people keep saying Miami people keep saying, uh, I I mean, those are the top two in in my mind. I mean, unless they give up Tyler hero or they give up like a bam, something like that. I don't, I don't want them. I don't want to see it happen. Lakers, they don't have anybody that I would want other than LeBron and AD and they would, they definitely do not want to leave the LA LA Lakers. So, you know, like who, who are you going to, to get equitable talent, equitable, uh, equitable draft picks? You know what I mean? Like, who can really offer the farm or who wants to offer the farm for, for Bradley Bill? Cause he is the type of guy that you want to do that for, or at least, you know, finesse, you know, you, you, you want to, you, if you're Tommy Shepard, you want to finesse for Bradley Bill, because what you did for John Wall, obviously like Russell Westbrook, he's coming into his own right now, triple, double machine. He's really, really playing well, playing, playing hard, all of that. But this is, this is bad, man.
0: Ian.
2: <laughs> Stretch real quick, you get, you get the stretches in. All right, um, there's one okay. I'm not actually gonna like talk down the Wizards once. Um, obviously, we know Thomas Bryant out for the year, right? Torn ACL, we
3: know this, yeah. Uh, the yeah. center, d- hmm? I don't even mean to, to, to uh, cut you off, but like, that's good. Mm-hmm. The defensive player for that team, and he was actually showing off that he could defend block shots, all of that. You end up losing him. Now, I mean, we were already the worst defense in the league anyway, but he was Mm. a big difference maker that we're really hurting without him. And Davis Berton. I
2: want to ask Wizards fans a question. Would you be fine trying to deal for a center before the trade deadline? No. One said yes, one said no.
3: I would would say so.
2: Uh, Brooks, why? I I just – I have – Oh, what you gonna call it? A proposition, but I want to hear why.
3: So I'll say this: Thomas Bryant, number one. Unfortunately, he's hurt going into a contract year. Number two, he's what six ten, six eleven, maybe like a seven two, seven three wingspan. As talent, as hardworking as he is, and as much talent as he has, he's not going to be your solution at that spot. Like, I think moving him to the four would be cool. Keep Rui at the three. I think moving him up to the three would will be will be okay. But getting a center to play with Thomas Bryan would be okay because Thomas Bryan can shoot. And like I said, he's switchable and he can defend. So why not move him up? Jalen, why you say no?
1: You said before the trade deadline. That's the part that got me. We're not going to see Thomas Bryan anytime this year. The other thing is, on top of this, I'm just killed as dead in terms of how I feel about the whole thing in terms of making a trade. Let's go through the teams that would actually be associated with trading for Bradley Beal, right? Miami Heat. First thing that comes up, you say Tyler Hero's name, they hang the phone up. They hang the phone up every time. First time you say Tyler Hero's name, gone. Put him out of here. That's, I mean, in terms of getting a center, one of the first names that comes to my mind in the Eastern Conference would be trading for a guy like Miles Turner. As interesting as that may be to be able to acquire a guy like Miles Turner, I'm not taking Miles Turner, an Indiana pick or – you know, some kind of damaged good situation like TJ Warren, who we may or may not see the rest of the season for Bradley Beal. Plus, I mean. He
3: huh? just can't get it together either right now.
1: Yeah, so, I mean.
3: An all-star, and he, he just doesn't get it.
1: I don't know. So, in terms of that, that's when we talk about that. Now, when we talk about center, we're talking about the center position specifically. Another team that might come to mind is the Kings, who have no reason trading for Bradley Beal, by the way. Let's just get that out the way. But we would probably want a guy like, what, probably Rashawn Holmes, who's played very well so far this season. But you'd probably have to throw in, like, Buddy Heald in a pick to make it to make it work. Rashawn Holmes is a nice piece. I don't know if I want Buddy Heald, um, at all. I think he's a really nice three-point shooter. He's kind of had a bit of a down year. um, But you would like the three-point shooting next to, next to Russell Westbrook. I just don't know if I want Rashawn Holmes as the sweetener, or the the, the the primary facilitator for a Bradley Beal trade. You think about a team like the Warriors, if we're really going to sit here and try to throw out a Warriors, give us James Wiseman kind of trade, that sounds a smidge unrealistic. I'm sure they would want to go for it, but they don't really have any future at the center position. So why would they give up their future center position to us who are in desperate need of the same exact thing they would be giving, they would basically be opening a hole up for. So, then the only other team that comes to mind that would even want to trade for trade with us that has a realistic chance. Cause I'm throwing teams like the Lakers out who don't have anything to give. The only other team that comes to mind to me that realistically would trade for the nugget uh, or I just gave them away, but the team that would trade for them is the nuggets because realistically they're the team that has the most to work with between Gary Harris, Michael Porter jr. I mean, you can throw in guys like Bull bowl who are like pretty interesting as well, but like, the thing with that is, do you make the move? Like, we've had that, the, the we or at least I'm going to say me personally when it comes to Bradley Beal. I had Bradley Beal to the Nuggets as the only viable trade for the last two years, and they've never pulled the trigger. Now they've seen Michael Porter Jr. as a guy who's been very streaky, very inconsistent, but when he pops, he goes crazy. So there's a legit question as to whether or not that's a trade that goes through. It just seems like every trade you would make, I wouldn't. Like, and then in terms of the center position, I, like I said, I don't know too many teams that would be making those trade with, trades with us that would want to uh, actually acquire the center from their team.
3: And I, I, I want to say this too
1: <laughs>
3: about Jamal Murray and Bradley Bill, man. Jamal Murray is the closer and the finisher that you want Bradley Bill to be right now. Like the dude's showing off. Give me the ball in the fourth quarter, four minutes to go. I'm going to, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring you to the promised land. I'm going to get you a win Bradley Bill. As much as I like him, he is struggling in the fourth quarter, man. He's he's struggling to get points. He's struggling to get buckets. And it's, it's preposterous because, like, we've, we've seen games where he can take over early on. First 44 minutes, he's he's great. But when it comes to flipping that switch in the last couple of minutes, he just doesn't get it all the time. He, he's got moments. But right now it's just not consistent enough. And that's what you need out of your superstar. We want him to be a second or third best player. On a championship caliber team, I think that could work, but as, a, as the as guy, I don't know.
2: That question. honestly, both of your answers just showed me where Wizards fans are at right now. And it's actually rather hilarious. Yes, the center, Noah Center. That's really hilarious, honestly. Exactly.
1: Um,
2: last thing I'll say, and then I'll just concede. Um <laughs> uh, I will say this. Um I don't know if it now nah, let's not ask that. Um actually no, I just want to see your thoughts. Um, obviously uh, you mentioned Rashawn Holmes. There's another one uh, center that the Kings are actually willing to trade. And that's a sound wide side. Would you be fine trading? Not, not, not Bradley bill, nothing like that. Just anything
1: for a guy like him. Oh, the Kings want stuff from us. Wow. Yeah. You're a better GM than me. I'm gonna be honest on that one. If you pull that move off, you're nice. Cause I don't know why they would want anything from us. For Hassan Whiteside, I don't know what we have to offer. Davis Bertans is damaged goods, and we just paid him. I mean, who's there to move? I think that's the biggest dilemma that we run into. We haven't seen Denny enough in order to really define whether or not he's going to be a core piece for our team. Rui is actually pretty solid, so why would we move him for Hassan Whiteside? Who, I mean. All he does is really provide rim protection, which I know is an underrated skill within the NBA. But, I mean, overall, he doesn't provide a ton offensively. Plus, let's be honest, as a guy who's not even a stretch big, you're pretty much just taking up Russell Westbrook's space. It's just I mean, let's just be real. We saw it with the Rockets. You take a center out. They move Clint Capella. They move them to Atlanta. You take the center out of the position completely. You let Russell Westbrook cook inside. And he goes from being a guy who wants to shoot seven three-pointers a game to cutting it down to about two or three. And he's killing it inside. You had a guy like Hassan Whiteside who doesn't stretch the floor at all. I don't know how that works. It's one of those situations where I, I feel – that's why the Rashawn Holmes thing is kind of interesting too because he's a really nice rim-running big, but he's the closest thing to Clint Capella I think there is out there in terms of a developing big right now. I mean, I, ironically – you know, we were talking about Indiana earlier. I'm talking about Miles Turner. I mean, ironically, one of the better centers that would probably fit next to a guy like Westbrook is more so probably Demontis Sabonis, really, who can work with the ball, do a lot of things, facilitating off the ball, do a lot of things in terms of stretching the floor. I mean, Miles Turner shoots the three pretty well too, and I think that's one of those interesting things. But he's still a a lane clogger to a certain extent as well. Like I said, I don't know when it when it comes to like. Any team, really? I just wonder what people think we have to trade. That's not Bradley Beal. You know, Hassan White White's like interesting, but I, I don't know what they. Only
2: have. ask that. Only ask that because he's affordable. He's on a one-year, that's $1 million-dollar contract. Like just something, just to throw out there. But fair enough. I mean, <laughs> all the Wizards gotta love them, and Russ cooking on the thirteenth place. That's.
1: As, I mean, that's the. That, I mean, that's you know the unfortunate circumstances of it. The Wizards. It's it's weird. It's such a significant contrast. And Ryan, like you could chime in as somebody who's like on the outside looking in of all the fandom taking place. But this is the interesting dynamic between the celtics and the wizards the wizards have relatively kind of had themselves put together for the most part i think thomas bryant being out is a big hit obviously we just lost davis but he was a guy who just wasn't playing up for his contract let's be real just wasn't playing up to what he just got paid earlier on in the year this is a team that simply has kind of played below the belt as opposed to boston who had COVID pause at one point, something that we usually only affiliate with like cancellations and postponements in the NCAA. And then you focus on situations like Kimba being out, Marcus Smart, who's a defensive anchor for them being out, a guy like Robert Williams who still needs to kind of develop offensively. The fact that it's a whole separate conversation, but the fact that Peyton Pritchard has actually been a better point guard than Jeff Teague, who they spent money on different things like that. Did you take into consideration? So it's like the contrast is that the Celtics have everything up looking <laughs> worth looking forward to while the wizards are in an awkward purgatory where you can't really make a lot of decisions right now, despite wanting to badly be a team that at least completes for competes for the play in. So like, when you look at these two teams, which one do you feel like Ryan do you feel like should be more poised to make a move at the trade deadline in the first place because both teams are in heading in different directions and but they both want the same thing and that's to make the playoffs.
0: Celtics it, it's the Celtics and it's not even close. Um I mean you think about what what do the Wizards have to trade? Russell Westbrook is on a huge contract and he's just getting back to form. I think I think I think Bradley Beal you have to trade them, but I, it's also like, you have to trade them, but you don't have to trade them. Um, if you trade them, what do you get, if you don't trade them, you're pretty much just keeping them there. Um, I mean, I think there's, I think there's more with the Celtics. I think there's more um, possibility with the Celtics. Um, I think there's a better playoff chance with the Celtics, even though, yes, I was critical of their bench. I don't think they have any good bench scores outside of Peyton Pritchard. I don't think that their bench is nearly as good as what a playoff bench is supposed to look like. Um, and this is not a playoff bench. Um, if we think about it in the long term, I mean their draft picks, I don't want to be too critical of Boston, but like their draft picks have not been the best. I'm not really impressed with Tremont Waters, not really impressed with Carson Edwards. Aaron Neesmith is not really that great. I thought he was, you know, supposed to be this great three and D wing, but he's not. Um, he's not playing like a 3 he's not playing like a great 3 and d wing um the first time that i saw him he actually was the guy who defended luka doncic when he hit that game winning uh 3 when the Celtics played Dallas um i think there's more possibility with the Celtics i think there's a better chance of making the playoffs um i think you know jj redick is a good guy to trade for um if you're boston just to improve the bench scoring but Yeah, it just seems like Boston's the better destination overall.
1: I mean, that kind of summarizes it for me in terms of looking at the two fandoms. When I go looking at these circumstances and I talk about the purgatory, they're a team that we don't think is going to make the playoffs. They're a team that we don't think should trade for anything to try to make the playoffs. And we think that they should keep their superstar because there's no point in trading them because we don't know what direction we're going in. Final conclusion,
3: fire Scott Brooks. Facts. Facts on freaking facts. Oh, my. Now
1: Free Brad. Free
2: Brad, first and foremost. You're trying I mean, to take you you don't, gotta, you don't. You <laughs> don't got to do it at the trade deadline. You can wait. I'll wait. I mean, he can, you know, get some prison meals in in Washington before you got to go. But right now, you know, it's just not now. In the offseason, you know, Free Brad, man. He, he needs sunshine.
1: Ian's trying to get this get dude out of him. out of a jail with multiple walls, dude. I don't understand. He can free, you can free him from one cage and he's running to another rat trap, dude. I don't understand it. I think no I'm matter, the matter what the circumstances are, he's gonna be.
3: I'm gonna get you out, out of there. I don't know, <laughs> I
1: don't know how, yeah. bro. bro.
3: He listen, must got the key. Listen, the thing about Scott Brooks too is, and I'm trying to. i I started thinking about this last week. Was is he an actual developmental coach? Is it or is it the fact? That no. It, or is it the, or is it the fact that KD and Harden and Russ were just that talented and that good? My gosh! They're future MVPs, regardless.
1: Got me actually hot on the podcast. No, he's not. You had right. KD. I, I feel and like Russ, James Harden, Sergi Baca, Kevin Martin, who was already a leading scorer for the Houston Rockets before then. What? Who? Have that's probably,
3: you developed at all? No one, and, and that's probably why KD didn't even want to go. He didn't even want to take a meeting. He was like, "Scott Brooks is here. I've I've dealt with him before." Scott Scott with Brian was talking about, "Oh yeah, he doesn't prepare for games. He doesn't do the detail shit." And I'm sorry, I I, I shouldn't even curse on your podcast. I'm sorry about that. But regardless, like, yeah, we we know the dude's kind of a bum. He should go. I'd rather see him go than Bradley
0: bill I mean, I feel like Ian's like the guy from Monopoly with the gig, with the with the free get out of jail card.
3: Like,
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. But okay, I Ian hinted at this earlier because you know we were talking off camera after our last collaboration about the Pacers and the Bulls and whether or not each team should be a playoff team. Um, I feel like we should start with Jalen on this one because we we kind of really kickstarted this debate with ian brooks uh, jalen and myself so i know you're a chicago bulls fan jalen and i don't want to send i don't want to send false light or send false hope for your franchise does chicago make the playoffs
1: why are y'all doing this to me? See, we did this off camera and I felt like it was grimy then because y'all making me actually pick like low-key cross town rival type of team in Indiana who's not that far away from where Chicago is. But let's be real. The funny part about this conversation is we had this conversation when the Pacers were still in a very significant lead. It wasn't too good, but it was at least good enough to say that they were better than the Bulls. Now they're both tied in 19 and 23. 9 and 10 in the Eastern Conference. So now we're having a legitimate conversation about who is actually going to end up. Dude, the way I put it is, the way I said it off camera and the way I'm going to say it now is the Indiana Pacers have a better roster. DeMontre Sabonis. Miles Turner is playing at a high level. They just got Karis Levert back, who I think is going to be a significant X factor for them. If they get TJ Warren, GG's. I don't even know why we're having this conversation because TJ Warren... I'm not going to say he's an all-star caliber player or anything, but the dude was averaging 20 coming off the bench for the Phoenix Suns once upon a time. The dude knows how to be a microwave scorer. He can be one of the lead guys off the bench for them easily. Not even debatable. You throw in the fact that Malcolm Brogdon has arguably, arguably, and it was debated a lot during the, the all-star voting and stuff. He may arguably be the, their, their best player so far this season, despite the fact that DeMontis Sabonis was the one who got the all-star nod. They are just a better team. Patrick Williams has been extremely inconsistent. I'm telling y'all they're going to move Thaddeus Young, and I know that's not like a big trade or anything, but there's teams out there that need a a 3-4 that can play consistently, give them 12 points a night, five rebounds, and move the ball. Thaddeus Young is going to be a guy who gets moved off of. This is a team that I honestly think, at the end of the day, as much as they want to make the playoffs, they need another pick, dude. That's like the real thing that I've been trying to like – Harp Indiana is just in a weird spot because I know Ryan your biggest touch on is that they've got a first-year head coach he's not Nate McMillan here's my thing dude we were talking about Nate McMillan or at least Ryan I'll I'll put it as put it on you because you were at least you were a lot less of a fan Nate McMillan was a guy who you felt like he had hit his ceiling and was not the guy for the Indiana Pacers hmm where did Indiana finish last year anybody from the panel want to answer your question? It was four or five, right? Where is Atlanta with Nate McMillan right now? At number four, right? Okay, so my point is that Nate McMillan obviously is a top-level coach, as I touched on beforehand. So the biggest thing that puts me in a dilemma right now is that I feel like the Indiana Pacers have the better roster, but had this been the coach from last year, they'd be in a lot better position. So the only reason why we're actually having this conversation is because they're tied at ninth and tenth. And Zach Levine arguably might be the best player out of both teams. When we talk about Zach Levine versus DeMontis Sabonis, Zach Levine versus Malcolm Brogdon or versus Miles Turner. You notice how I didn't name any other Bulls players because Kobe White has been inconsistent. Patrick Williams is a guy who's been very on and off. Laurie Marketing just came back. I'm expecting him to not be very much, but I'm at the same time, I see him as a guy who's gonna play at a really high level and probably boost his trade stock up going into the offseason, if anything. With that all being the case, bro, Indiana's making the playoffs. I, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, it's because the the Knicks hold on. And I think that's very viable. I think with the Hornets losing LaMelo Ball, that's going to be the biggest thing because Gordon Hayward technically has been their best player this year. Although LaMelo Ball gets a lot of the highlights, he gets a lot of the media attention. Terry Rogier is having an underrated year as well. So I think that's one of those things to touch on when it comes to the Hornets. So if they can stand pat, then... I think that only one of those two teams and the Bulls and the Pacers can make it. If we're talking about being in a play-in situation, I think the Pacers have the better chance to win one game. And I'm saying this from the standpoint that I watch. I love Zach Levine. I've publicly on Instagram told this man and told the world that he's my favorite player in the NBA. But when it comes down to 3-2-1 backyard basketball of hitting the last second shot to be able to take a game, win or lose, we've been horrible closing games. Horrible. Horrible at finishing possessions, so it's one of those things where I have to lean on the team that has more veteran experience, has more talent. If the Hornets fall out of the playoffs, if the Knicks fall out of the playoffs, I'm thinking Indiana's first one up. And if they had a better coach, which they did, I don't even think they would even be in this circumstance. Ian, to tell y'all, bro. I
0: I feel like this. It's only right for us to go to Ian next because this that he was very vocal about who. He believes should make the playoffs, so no, Ian, no, no, go go, let's, let's Ian, go, go to ahead.
2: Let's go back to you real man. quick. Let's go back hey. to. You. I'm gonna sip this. To yeah. Me. <laughs> let's go to you, Ryan. What you think?
0: Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I thought I, was, I, I thought I was mirroring this, right? Um, <laughs> so okay, I have I've made my thoughts known about Nick McMillan. I thought he's been, you know, an average coach. I'm just, I'm sorry, I got to laugh because Ian's literally sipping the tea for me. Um. I thought Nate McMillan has been, you know, an average coach throughout his entire career. Um, You know, he's ranged anywhere from fourth seed to eighth seed. He's never really made it out of the first round. Um, The one thing that – the one gripe I had against Indiana was coaching. And I – because I feel like, you know, now in Atlanta, I think that Nate McMillan has the perfect uh, pairing of star players to go along with his coaching system because I think – Ever since Atlanta fired Lloyd Lloyd Pierce, this Atlanta team has been a lot better than what we've expected. I mean, like like you said, Jalen. I mean, at Indiana's peak, or uh, at Indiana's peak last year, uh, fourth in the standings. They're fourth in the standings right now with Nate McMillan. Or uh, Atlanta's fourth in the standings with Nate McMillan right now. But my gripe against them was coaching, and I feel like that you know in in terms of. In terms of who I believe was going to make the playoffs, I thought Chicago was better. Now, at the time we did that episode, I believe that Chicago was the better team. Looking at it now recently, as both teams have the same record at 19 and 23, I feel a little bit differently about it because, of course, the addition of Karis LeVert is because because Karis LeVert. I mean, Karis LeVert's an underrated shooting guard. I mean, how, how many times do I have to say it? He's maybe the most underrated shooting guard in the NBA right now, but... I have to say that because of the Bulls' inability to close games and the fact that Kobe White has been inconsistent and the fact that Laurie Marketing and Wendell Carter Jr. are clearly not the players that we thought they were going to become and I thought that were that they were going to become, I feel like I have to say it. Ian Evans? I love the, the Bulls, but come on. Post the impact? I was wrong. Look, I mean, look, look. There's still a lot of season
2: left. We don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, who knows? Who knows? Who, the Knicks and Hornets could honestly fall out. You don't know. We don't know what could happen. Um, I literally asked this question after that episode. I said, "Who would you rather have on your squad? <laughs> <laughs> would you rather have a 2 2 two-v-two? Two, who you picking? You picking? Um, you picking Sabonis and, and Brogdon, or you picking? You know, Laurie." And, uh, you know, Zach Levine, because Zach Levine is going to win that matchup versus Brogdon, but all you got to do is just blow on Lori's knees and that's over. That's that's it. Um, Then I said, okay, so bench play, you know, let's go to the bench. You know, would you rather have, first of all, I don't know why Garrett Temple is averaging 28 minutes per game, but that's besides the point. Um, (laughs) But would you rather have, you know, Garrett Temple? Uh, and, oh, the, the old man, Thaddeus Young, somehow still doing relatively well. I don't know how, but he is. Or, 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 hear me out, right? You have, um, let's go with, oh, T.J. McGon- McConnell, who is pickpocketing the dudes left and right, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, and, you know, you know, just, you know, there's just speculation, because, you know, they, they will play, I think, one more time this year, if, if I'm looking at the schedule correctly. But, okay, let's go back to, would you have to have Garrett Temple and, and Thaddeus Young, right? Or you can honestly interchange a lot of these guys. Would you rather have um, who did I literally? Oh, T.J. McConnell, and you know, honestly, one of the Holiday brothers. I mean, you could have Big Dermy coming off the bench shooting threes. I mean, like, 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 what do you like? What what are we missing here? That's that's where I was at the first time. Now let me go into it. The reason why this was even a conversation in the first place is because, honestly speaking, the Bulls do have slightly better coaching. I mean, Billy Donovan has actually done. a a somewhat solid job with the Bulls and obviously um, literally playing to Zach Levine's strengths, if that makes sense. Cause that's what Jim Boylan didn't do at all. I mean, there was literally clips of Boylan and Zach Levine literally arguing after Zach Levine put up like 45, like this is why you play me. And Billy Donovan was like, that's what I'm exactly what I'm gonna do. Everything else, not necessarily there for the Bulls, especially off the bench. There's a lot of guy like you, you should not have Garrett Temple coming off the bench for Kobe White. I don't just 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 run a circle around him twice, he'll get tired. Anyway, um, but then you go to the Pacers. I think everything else is there in regards to the comparison with the Bulls. You I mean, granted, I don't think they have better coaching than the Bulls, which is actually you are 100 percent right about. But everything else is there. Playmaking, shooting. Oh my goodness! Defense. I, I said it in before. Granted, the record doesn't show up, but they are top fifteen in defensive efficiency. Um, and granted, they're not a you know a, a playoff team right now based on the standings. Um, you can even go to stuff like uh, you, you know bench production. Granted, they have it there. It's just that when you look at the reason why the Bulls are literally right there with the Pacers is because they score a lot of points. The Pacers do not. That is the only reason why the Pacers are literally right there. But who knows? I wouldn't say I'm right right now. I'm just going to say once we have to see how the season ends because there is going to be that plan. But as of right now, I just can't see if the Bulls, let's just say the Bulls do somehow trade Laurie before the trade deadline. I don't think they will, but I've heard some rumors. I don't think they will though. But if they do, if they even, you know, the Bulls, let's go to the Bulls. You know how that front office has been throughout the years. If they try and trade for somebody, Worse than Laurie, forget about it. Just straight to forget about it, because then Zach Levine's not going to be happy and everything else.
3: What's up? What's up, Bryce? You want to say something? No. At least the Bulls don't have Garpax in the in the front. Oh, I agree That's with true. that. Yeah, that is very much that. so true. Ooh. But just just based yeah. on
2: their history, just based on their history. Like I know they have a, a the good thing Garpax is out. Honestly, like shout out to the Bulls for that. They need to do that a while ago. Yeah. But just based on their history, history. get rid of yeah to get rid of Irving exactly. Exactly. So just based on everything else besides coaching, that's why I would, if there, if there was one spot left, I would give it to the Pacers.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's, there's a lot of season left to be played. I think that, man, the stuff with Charlotte, I think it's interesting, especially with how they're going to play without LaMelo. Um, I am hearing from Brooks uh, that I think it was Shams that said that LaMelo might be back soon.
3: Yeah, I think it's a four- to five-week timetable to figure out whether or not he's going to come back. But, yeah, I, I have to look at the champs' tweet again because I know I saw it yesterday. But I hope he comes back, man, because LaMelo Ball is, is box office, as Stephen A. Smith would say. Um, Gordon Hayward may be the best player on that team, but LaMelo, hands down, has the most talent. He's going to lead that franchise somewhere. Yes. So.
1: Hey Brooks, hold on. With that, with that being the case though, because I mean, you're the one who let us know. Because I could have swore they said out for the season, but if the surgery thing helps speed things up, though, right? Wouldn't the three teams? Okay, we said I hate putting the Knicks in this because it's so petty, but they do have like a top. <laughs> they have a top three like like difficult schedule like for the remainder of the year. So like, unfortunately, they're just in a really bad circumstance. So the four teams that come to mind would be yeah. Charlotte because they're losing. LaMelo, which is, I think, going to be huge. Um, the Knicks, because they have, like, the third hardest schedule in the league for the remaining part of this year. Then you look at, like, Indiana, and you look at the Bulls. Like, if you had to pick your two teams that you think are going to make it by the end out of those four teams, who would it be?
3: Uh, so, name the four teams once again for me, man.
1: So, it would be Charlotte. Who, and I'll actually read out where they where they currently at, too, because that'll make things a little bit easier.
3: Hmm? I think they're 20 and 21.
1: Yeah, because um we have Charlotte, who's at the fifth seed right now. They're actually 21 and 21, so exactly 500. Charlotte, who's fifth at 21 and 21. The Knicks, who are seventh at 22 and 22. The Bulls at ninth, who are 19 and 23. And the Pacers have the same record, 19 and 23. They're at 10th. Who do you think are the two teams? The two teams that are going to finish out in the playoffs out of those four?
3: I got, I got, I got uh, confidence in Thibs, man. I think New York, the way they're playing right now, will probably get a playoff spot. And I'm going to go with the roundtable about Indiana because Indiana, again, they got the vets, they got the closers, they know what they're doing in crunch time, you know. As as talented and as great of, of a player as Zach Levine is, sometimes man, he's he's in the same boat as Bradley Bill not be, not being able to finish out in those last four minutes. You can be spectacular for the last for the first forty-four, but all of that doesn't matter if you can't close the game out strong. You know what I mean? Like how valuable are you truly if you can't finish out? You know, so I, I think it's going to be New York, and I think it's going to be Indiana.
1: I mean, I I, I kind of agree you. with you. I, I think. Yeah, I think that'll be like a bigger thing too. So that's my, that's my whole point is like, I think that, I mean, think about it. You're talking about a team that's 21 and 21. Granted, it's not that big of a difference. That's a two game split, but we're talking about a team that's 21 and 21 fifth in the East right now. And you trust Indiana who's getting injured players back as Calvary as a team that's just more better prepared. Than the Hornets to potentially make a run at the uh, at the uh, the NBA playoffs. That should tell you all you need to know about what kind of talent they have on the roster and how much one guy for the Hornets being lost means for them in terms of the trajectory of their like their season. So we're gonna leave Indiana alone, bro. I love that we can have Indiana conversations on this podcast, but we like look. We got to address them with some respect. This team is wild. I'm trying to tell y'all.
0: Yeah, I think that Indiana is gonna be a team that I. I would hope win some games down the stretch, I think they have the team. Um, like I said, you know, coaching is, is a problem for me, um, especially with the lack of experience, you know, first year head coach and Nate Bjorn, uh, Nate Bjornkren. Um, I just think that's my only issue with them. I, I think that this, this, the the play in race is going to be interesting because I mean, it, dep- it, it kind of depends on like how Charlotte does without LaMelo, how, how Charlotte plays without LaMelo. I mean, I think they have, you know, Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier, who are great players, great 20 point a game scorers, the Knicks. I think they can get hot at any time. I know they have the third hardest schedule, but I think there's, there's this, this, this run to the last four seeds will be, it's going to be crazy. It's going to mm-hmm. be crazy. Um, but let's talk about some of the better teams in the NBA. Some, some of the best teams like Brooklyn, Milwaukee, um, you know, the Lakers, they've, They've been great for most of the season, uh, the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz. Um, I'm going to start with Ian on this one because I feel like there's a lot of teams that we believe that are the best in the NBA. So who is the best team in the NBA in your opinion?
2: Uh, wow. Honestly, I mean, you could go down, you know, a lot of roads, um, you know, <sighs> I honestly think there really is kind of a clear cut answer to this, and they honestly, I think, just either tied the Jazz. Did they tie the Jazz? I don't know. They're first in the East. Um, the Sixers are legit, man. Um, I, I, I didn't I didn't think they were going to be this legit when uh, Doc Rivers left and Daryl Morey left and all this. And I'm I'm only saying this because of one reason. When Joe, first, there was a problem with this, uh, the Sixers in the beginning of the year when and Embiid was hurt from time to time. And it was the, the question of, oh, can they win without Joe Embiid? And the first uh, instinct was actually no, because the record I think they have was like two and five or two and six or something along those lines. Now they're actually proving that they can do it. When I tell you, I, we've talked about it before. We talked about it on my podcast. We talked about it here before. What was the one thing besides a solid front office and head coaching? Obviously, five Brett Brown, which they did. What they need was people who could shoot the three-point shot effectively. Uh, granted, they shouldn't have. You know, that JJ Redick—that's a whole thing in and of itself. They, who did they get? They, get? they go, yeah, they can't actually. Uh, I yeah, completely forgot about that. Um, they get Danny Green, who's obviously having a redemption here, honestly, and about the amount, the amount of times I've gotten on that, man, I guess like he heard me and the rest of the NBA, <laughs> basically. Um, <laughs> then they also get, uh, the greatest shooter of all times, brother to say, yeah, I'll join you might as well. And, and we saw what hit the impact he had with the Mavericks and Seth Curry. And then on top of that, and playing at an MVP level, we just talked about Ben Simmons, who honestly is up for Depoy and could probably win it. And then on top of that, you have, um, Oh, the, the, it's like it's a stout defense. I, lo- I mean, as a Celtics fan, I hate it. But as an NBA fan and basketball fan, I love it. It's beautiful basketball. They have a lot of guys who can drive and kick like Ben Simmons to anybody out there on the perimeter. They have uh, freaking Korkmaz who can just shoot lights out. We already know what he can do with the three-point ball. And then on top of that, you have Matisse Dybo off the bench who's not necessarily a 3 and D guy, but a, a defensive, uh, not necessarily force, but oh my goodness, he's solid defensively. He can guard pretty much. I wouldn't say one through four, but I'd say two through four. Honestly, when you really look at it, because of his length, um I'm only saying it because they do have. They did just tie the Jazz for 31 wins in the NBA, which is tied for the most in the NBA. I, I say this because, like, they don't have to score as many points. They know that they can get on you defensively and still win a game. And especially when they get Joe and Be back, good luck. Like. I really think the Eastern Conference Finals will be between the 76ers and Nets. Like, granted, we don't know what's going to happen when KD and Blake Griffin come back. We need to see if that all – met. and Kyrie's out for personal reasons or whatever. We need to see what happens when they all mess together. But as of right now, I'm taking the Sixers. They just look ridiculous right now.
3: I think he's he's birthday today, right? Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Happy birthday to Kyrie. Doing,
2: uh oh,
3: yeah, this is Kyrie's birthday. Yeah, he's been out on his team duties to go to go turn up. So good, good for him, and I uh, <laughs> hope he enjoys himself.
0: I hope he enjoys himself. So I mean, I, I feel like I feel like the Brooklyn Nets are in this conversation too. And you mentioned with Kyrie Irving, um Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant both being out for different reasons. I want to turn to Brooks on this one because I mean, Blake Griffin's been there for about a, a week or two now. Um we don't really know the the full impact of what he's had on Brooklyn's team right now but Brooks I want to get your take I mean is is this is Blake Griffin making Brooklyn a better team or is it is this a move that is kind of indifferent
3: I'm me personally I'm indifferent towards it I don't I don't think they they for one they didn't need the guy and for two what's he going to do to, to improve the team? The team is good offensively. Who are their stoppers? Who's going to get them that last stop that they need, last four minutes. Like, again, we, we know, yeah, they're going to get 130, 120, 120 points a game. But how are you going to make sure that the other guy doesn't score? Because outscoring somebody is great, but what happens when you're meeting someone who can produce greatly as well? You know, that's 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 the main question with them. You know what I mean? How good is your depth going to be down the stretch? I mean, you, you lose Spencer Dinwiddie. At the beginning of the year, he was already – he was playing pretty well. Chris Lavert is gone. Jared Allen is gone. You know, I mean, you, you sold the farm for, for – uh, what's his name? For James Harden. And, I mean, the fact of the matter is James Harden is great for this Nets team. Like, he's playing amazing. He, I, I feel like he's just happier than he ever has been. Maybe since the first year he was with Houston, maybe those MVP seasons, MVP-like seasons he was having in Houston. you know, the guy's bought in, and it's, it's great to see. Um, my main concern is what the heck is going on with KD? I feel like there's something bigger going on with that because it, it must have been like a, a, a serious hamstring pull, hamstring tear, hamstring strain for him to be gone for what now? It's been a month, right? A month and a half. It's bad. The same thing with AD. Maybe it's the same thing with KD that happened with AD. Like maybe he's this—he's one step away. He's one step, one cut away from tearing that Achilles. And it's a very, very good thing. He's very fortunate that he signed that contract last season. But to answer your question, but, I mean, like, yeah, it's going to be Brooklyn and the 76ers in the Eastern Conference Finals, I think. I feel like the 76ers have the, the depth, the defense, and the shooting to be able to match them up and maybe even beat them, especially if KD isn't going to be healthy or he's not going to be 100%. I mean, the dude that maybe at 85% is, is a 30-point score, but, but. – yeah, I mean, I, I, I need to see what happens down the stretch there. Katie's going to be the best closer out of all – out of the both teams. But, yeah.
0: I mean, I, I feel like this is kind of a consensus opinion. And, and Jalen, I want to get your take on this because I feel like another team that's, like, on the outside looking in at the Eastern Conference is Milwaukee. Because even though Milwaukee has a great record, they have not really been able to perform well in the playoffs as of recently. So where do you stand on Milwaukee and do you see them making the Eastern Conference finals?
1: I mean, the way I look at it is that they're third for a reason. It's not just as the standings, it's where they stand as a team in the Eastern Conference overall. I say that Giannis, obviously, as an individual talent, sticks out really well with a lot of the other top guys in the East, um, especially across those other two teams. Uh, Brent Forbes has been a really good three-point shooter for them. I think Drew Holiday is a different mix for them that they have not had at the point guard position beforehand. If you guys remember down the stretch, they've had guys like George Hill run point. They've had guys like Malcolm Brogdon, who is not the Malcolm Brogdon that he is right now for Indiana. He was a guy steering the ship. Remember, this was a guy who was like a senior coming out of Virginia or something like that. And although he won rookie of the year, it was like on the most casual 50-40-90 shooting splits while averaging, like I think, like 12-14 points a game, handful of re- uh handful of rebounds, handful of assists. Like he was just a really steady ship player for them. Drew Holiday is a change of pace. He's a legit two-way player. He's a guy on can create his own shot. He's a guy who can shoot three ball at a good clip. He's been injured a little bit. I think the other thing with, with Milwaukee that everybody is sleeping on, though, a little bit, is that they're doing something they don't usually do, bro. They've been switching a lot defensively. That's something that they do not do. Um, when it comes to them and their defensive scheme, it's been one of those things where they're not a team that is used to doing a lot of the things that they're doing right now. They're doing a lot of experimental things. And it's honestly been one of the things that the media has kind of gotten on them for not doing in the past. They're such a good regular season team that you kind of, when you see them fold in the playoffs, the first thing you kind of point to is like, why aren't you guys, you know, good at making adjustments? Mike Budenholzer's biggest, you know, I guess, his biggest issue in the playoffs has been making defensive and offensive adjustments to a certain extent. During the, during this run, during the season in particular, they finally decided to switch things up. It's really interesting that actually a lot of analysts like criticized them for like kind of throwing some of these games away, messing around with defenses and uh, d- different defensive schemes when that was what everybody was kind of asking them to do in the first place. I think the biggest thing with Milwaukee, right, is that it's a prove it when we see it kind of thing unfortunately Milwaukee is in the same circumstances that the Clippers are in they're in a circumstance where they had a high bar we saw them miss the mark by a lot and now we just have very minimal uh minimal belief in them and you know it's, it's wearing in it right now the Clippers are third in the Western Conference above the Lakers we've been talking about the Lakers way more all year not just because they're defending champs not just because they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. We just know, we know what the Lakers do in the playoffs versus what we saw the Clippers do in the playoffs. The Clippers coulda, woulda, shoulda lost to the Mavericks. They did lose to Denver. That was some unforeseen circumstances that took place that's going to be a bad taste in people's mouth. With Milwaukee, you lost to the Heat. The Miami Heat are not a bad team by any stretch, but that was a team that got a lot of production from a rookie and Tyler Hero that we have barely seen pop off this year. Milwaukee made Tyler Hero a hot commodity as a trade prospect. Let's be real. Like, it's not that Tyler Hero's a bad player. It's not that Duncan Robinson is a bad player. But that series is what really put them on the map. And because Milwaukee is known for being a team that made Tyler Hero a first-round pick, draft, uh, first-round pick plus a draft pick equals a superstar kind of trade asset, that's going to be something that's going to be kind of hard for people to get past. Brooklyn... Brooks, I'm kind of surprised that you kind of slept on the whole thing with with Blake Griffin because we know that he's more than a dunker. So, I understand that he got his first dunk for the first time since what? I think it's like 2019 they said or something like that and it was only two points by the way. But I think one of the most things the one of the most interesting things about that is, Brooks, I know you watched the game, it was against us. Dude, in that same in that same game as a late as a late game possession, he had a big time block against Bradley Beal that helped clinch, clinch that game. That was a, a big-time play by him, and I think that's going to be one of those things from an intellectual standpoint. He's going to bring a little bit of basketball IQ to that center position because DeAndre Jordan just jumps at anything, and Nicholas Claxton is still kind of just working himself in because he's a guy that wasn't getting a lot of PT beforehand and now is getting a lot of playing time with guys like KD being out. The other thing is, with them, everybody is low-key competing for second, second place, and it's getting worse. Seth Curry and... Uh, Joel and beat are both out for Philadelphia. The books, ha- the Bucks have Giannis on day to day. The Nets have been doing this all season with somebody out. It's mainly been KD, but they've had Kyrie out. They've had uh, KD out for a stretch of time. Now you got them in potential pickups like have getting potential pickups like Andre Drummond from a uh, from a defensive rebounding and, and blocking shot standpoint. You have Norman Powell who's having like an underrated year for the Raptors, who's being associated with them. Um, JJ Reddick, who I don't know why they would want to get them, but get him, but hey, shooting is shooting. You're not going to pass it up if you can get it in this league. Like somehow the Nets are second in the East, only one game back. They don't even have their best player. Kyrie's out for the moment. And they're the hottest trade slash buyout market in the entire NBA. Like, I mean, like the Nets, I mean, it's O.C. what they're doing. Like, it doesn't even make any sense that they're doing all of this on top of the fact that it's a COVID-ready year where, you know, a whole lot of other unprecedented things are taking place. I think it's one of the sneaky things that's making James Harden arguably, controversial, arguably a top three MVP candidate, especially with a lot of the injuries that we've seen.
3: Well, so the question about Blake Griffin was whether or not he improves the team. And I, I feel like he's not going to be, he, he's a difference maker, and and you you alluded to the fact that like you know he had that big block, he he, he brings some basketball intelligence to the to the team, but you have that in droves with James Harden, Kyrie, and KD, you you have like, it, it just doesn't feel like he's going to be the team like this team doesn't need anybody else to really tip them over, you know what I mean they're great they are talented as is they don't they didn't need to to add. It's like the rich getting richer with Blake Griffin being on there. I don't think he's going to be True. the guy that sets him over. If they, they 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 didn't need him really, he just was like, oh, here's a free ring. Possibly, I'm gonna go over here. And, well,
1: they needed another big though. They yeah, they got oh, yeah, They, a they
3: definitely needed another big, but it's not like he's. It's not like he's gonna be like a, like a Kawhi to Toronto type of guy, or he's, he's not gonna be like a, like a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or like a Magic to like Kareem. You know what I mean, like oh, yeah, you know, here here's this guy who's going to be a big difference maker. He can make plays. He can, you know, he'll, he'll make you a smarter team. But it's not like he's going to be, you know, he's, he's going to save the team when it, when it matters the most in, in my eyes.
0: So, I mean, I think the interesting thing that you guys didn't point out, and we really only talk about Eastern Conference teams, we didn't talk about any Western Conference teams. So I kind of want to start with Brooks on this one because I feel like the Western Conference, it, the the does the Western Conference feel like a conference of the past, where you know they aren't as good as what they once were, or are there just not enough teams that can really compete with the with what the Eastern Conference has right now?
3: I think it's just a situation of they're not as great as they have been. I mean, you have a great newcomer in the, in the Suns. I mean, what an amazing story in the Suns, man! Like they're number two in a con, right? They're number two in the conference, right? Mm -hmm. they're the number two in the conference they got cp3 who once again is that wise old sage being able to like help the team out get them to get them get them over that playoff hump a bit of actually getting into the first round um i mean it's 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 spectacular to see uh the main question is like are are people going to be healthy enough to in the playoffs when it matters the most is lebron james going to be good to go is ad going to be good to go you know what i mean Paul George says he's going to come back and he's going to shut everybody up about that that bubble talk. And he, he's had some moments, but he, he isn't shutting me up. He isn't shutting up Ian. He isn't shutting up Jalen. He isn't shutting up Ryan. You know I mean? We don't have faith in him when it matters the most. And we're going to have to see what happens with that. It, it feels like, you know, every other year we know the Western conferences can dominate the East, but it doesn't feel like that's necessarily this, the storyline of this season. It feels like the talent – and the coaching and all that has kind of caught up with each other.
0: Ian, yeah, I feel like Phoenix is a team that can make the Western Conference Finals. I mean, they've made a case for them being the best team in the Western Conference. But I feel like we could say the same thing about Utah. They have the best record in the league right now. They have multiple double-digit scores. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Ian, I I just have to ask, I mean, does Utah or Phoenix get to the Western Conference Finals?
2: Uh, yeah, I I say so. I don't think they both do. I mean, you just I've been down the road before where I'm like, oh, I don't think LeBron and this team will make it to the finals. I mean, it's LeBron in the playoffs, man. It's just tough to I don't care where they end up. I really think that the Lakers will make it to the Western Conference finals regardless. That's just how they that's just how he is. And that's the impact he has. Um, I honestly think when it's all said and done, I think Utah will make it. I say this because as much as I do love the Suns, they have a very uh, young ish bench. And I just think that when it all comes down to it, you need that uh, experience. Like when you get to that point and I think Utah has that, I think Donovan Mitchell is just exhausted and tired of not getting to that point. I think obviously I mean, same with Rudy. And then on top of that, you have Joe Engles lighting it up. You have Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench for a number of ridiculous numbers. And then you have Mike Conley, who's healthy now. Um, and is honestly, you know, playing a solid role as as the starting guard. Not to mention, uh, glue glue guys are very underrated in the NBA. Royce O'Neill has had an incredible uh, role playing year with the Jazz and it's just not talked about enough. I think when you put that against the Suns, if you put that in a seven-game series, I would take the Jazz in seven just because of that experience. I mean, granted, you have CP3 with the experience, but in terms of other than that, who else do you really have experience-wise? And that's why I would put the Jazz slightly edging the Suns. But I I said the Lakers.
3: You said what? He's only made one conference finals in his whole career. Like he's, he's, and that's,
2: and that's what I'm, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like I think Utah, you know, will, will ultimately get there just because of how consistent they are this year. And, you know, on top of that, they're, they are an extremely great home team. They only lost two times at home this whole year, by the way. So, um, that's obviously that's big when it comes down to the playoffs. So, I, again, I can't go against LeBron in the playoffs. I've done it before, and I've ate my words multiple times. If that roster, like the Lakers, is healthy, I, I can see them going to the finals easily. So I I'd probably say as of right now, I think it's Utah and LA, not the the real LA. We're not talking about the Clippers. You got you got to prove that to me, PG. You still do, but um I think Utah make it at this point.
0: Yeah, you know, and I feel like the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Mavericks. I mean, like. This is kind of a situation where with the Eastern Conference, I mean it's a fight for whoever's finishing in third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and eighth. Um, Jalen, I, I just kind of want to ask like, rank your right rank, rank the six teams that you believe outside of Phoenix and Utah that you believe are going to make the playoffs.
1: Ooh. Man, that's tough. First, real quick, just to answer your question about the West versus the East earlier that you had made the comment about in terms of it being like the vintage West, I think it is the vintage West. I think it's just in its weird kind of way because if you go down the line, the Jazz, according to the media, they don't have a defined superstar despite the fact that they had three All-Stars this year with Mike Conley sneaking in um the back end uh, as a replacement. The Suns, the Phoenix Suns are a team that just kind of came out of nowhere. We saw them during the bubble last year, but everybody was just trying to get an understanding of whether or not they were for real or not. The Clippers, Ian just touched on it. What Ian just said is what everybody's saying about the Clippers, which is what makes them kind of underrated. The Lakers, they just lost their two best players and we might not see them for another two weeks or three weeks. That's going to be tough in terms of how they finish down the line. The Nuggets have arguably the best MVP candidate left in the Western Conference in terms of a guy who's been healthy throughout the entire season. Yet they're only fifth in the Western Conference. The Trailblazers are injured as crap. The Spurs are the Spurs. Nobody talks about them until they go win a chip, which for (laughs) one point they were doing very consistently. The Mavericks came in with really high expectations with Luka Doncic being the front runner, literal front runner due to Vegas odds as the guy who's going to be the lead candidate for the, for the uh, NBA MVP hasn't even been in the conversation until recently. Look even further down the line warriors injured now with Steph Curry, but this was a team that once Klay Thompson went down, the question was, were they going to make the playoffs? Anyway, Grizzlies Jaron Jackson has been out. They've been a middle of the back team that just got justice Winslow back Pelicans underachieving thunder. They going to have all 30 picks in the draft for all we know by the end of this season, the Kings, are a team that we'd never trusted to begin with. The Rockets we knew were going to be bad, and the Timberwolves haven't had Cat. Shout out to Cat, who's been going through some stuff off the court. But they haven't had Cat for most of the season, and I don't know how much that was going to help them. I just went through every team in the Western Conference and just told you basically all of them have a hole worth worrying about. When you look at the top of the Eastern Conference, the only thing we're talking about with the top three teams is health. You can say that about any team, any year of any season. You see what I'm saying? Now, when we're talking about past the first two teams in the Jazz and the Suns. Whew, okay. That, that is dark because the order, no clue, no clues, too close. Clippers, yeah. Lakers, yeah, but they scaring me. I ain't going to lie because Montrose Harrell can't be your best player. That just can't be a thing. Uh, Dennis Schroeder can't be either. I mean, he's all right, but he can't be your best player. We saw how that went down with Atlanta. He can't be your best player. The Nuggets, yeah. I mean, duh, they're going to make it, but they scare me. I feel like they need to make a move. They need a forward bat, or or they just need Michael Porter Jr. to give his, you know, show a pulse, because he's killing me with the fact that he's been so inconsistent. The Trailblazers, yes, but I wish they were healthy. This is another season with them where I feel like they're going to go in the playoffs, and they're going to be super – interesting, but they're going to get taken out in the first round, or they're going to get taken out really quickly in the second round because of the fact that they're just not healthy enough as a team. Now, once you get down to Spurs, Mavericks, Warriors, Grizzlies, Pelicans, because that's where it stops for me. Thunder, I don't think they want no smoke with the playoffs. They need cut. I mean, they don't need K Cunningham, but I'm sure they'd love to get him. Kings, they need to chill out. Tyrese Halliburton, you're in the top three for the uh, NBA Rookie of the Year. But you're not going to win it. Just relax. Continue to get assists. Continue to play at a high level. Continue to build chemistry up with a guy, in the uh, De'Aaron Fox. Rockets, <laughs> stay your tail down there. Trade Eric Gordon. I know he's injured. Trade that man. Let him let him live his best life. Denver Wolves, y'all getting the first pick again for all I freaking know. So I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about the Spurs, Mavericks, Warriors, Grizzlies, Pelicans. I think if. You do not trade Lonzo Ball, which could happen. If you do not trade Lonzo Ball, I think the Pelicans could be a sneaky team in the playing tournament. If you trade him, depending on who you trade him to, if you trade him to the Clippers, you sold. You definitely sold because you're going to get like somebody that you don't want back like right now to be productive for you right now. It's going to be more about a pick down the line or something stupid. It's mainly going to be something related to the fact that they know that Lonzo Ball is owed some money at the end of this year, and the boy is looking for like $20 million a year, and I don't know where he's getting it from. This daddy. Well, he ain't going to give him a contract. I know that because LeAngelo still ain't got one. So, man, oh, let that be what it is. It is.
3: Oh, man. This is you not, know what I mean? I'm lucky.
1: The way I'm going to put it, if I have to pick the last two teams, I think the Spurs have been really good. I think after they move off of L.A., I think if they move LaMarcus Aldridge and get something valuable for him, I think that can be really huge. Rudy Gay could be a really interesting guy on the trade block as well. So I think San Antonio, they're not usually in the – during the season trade market, but I think they might make a play this year considering they purposely set L.A. for the reason of moving him. And then at 8 – I think Steph Curry is better than Luka Doncic, so I got to give him eight. I got to be honest. I mean, that's how it goes down to me. If we got a big player-to-player, KP has been in and out of the lineup, and when he is on the floor, he'll give you 21 and 10 one night, and he'll give you 13 and four the next, and you won't even know that he was there. So I think that's that. Grizzlies, I want to see y'all in the playoffs so bad, but y'all got one more year. Y'all got one more really good draft pick uh, coming up, and then y'all be in the mix. And the Pelicans – I don't know, man. You trade Lonzo ball, I think it's going to hurt. I think if you don't trade Lonzo ball, you got a better chance, but it's still going to be a play in winner go home situation. So I guess it would be Jazz, Suns, Clips, Lakers, Nuggets, Trailblazers, Spurs, and then the Warriors. Technically, that's how it looks right now, but I think it'll kind of stick that way.
0: So just to close out the episode, before we get to our question of the day for our fans, just want to give it to our guests for the final thoughts. Jalen. First, I want to uh, actually start with you on this one. Do you have any final thoughts on closing out this episode?
1: Guys, this episode was full of a bunch of stuff that's taken place during the NBA in the last two weeks. That should tell you everything you need to know about how crazy this NBA season has been, bro. The last two weeks alone, we just got off the All-Star break. (laughs) Trade deadlines in like 24 to 48 hours is cracking. And there's still a whole lot more going on in a year, bro. This might, With the play-in being a thing now, this might be the craziest 20 to 30 games like the close out of season we've probably seen in a minute. My sleeper team that I'm going to kind of leave the podcast with is actually in the Eastern Conference. And it's one of those things where it's up to how they play this trade deadline. The Raptors are at eleven. To trade Kyle Lowry or not to trade Kyle Lowry, I think whatever team gets Kyle Lowry might win the chip. I'm gonna just put it out there like that. I think that I think that the Raptors have that much power right now between Norman Powell and Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry mainly. But like with those two guys as trade chips, I think the Raptors. Low key have a lot of control over who could potentially win the championship this year, and they're not even in the mix, which is hilarious.
0: Brooks, any final thoughts?
3: Move off from the NBA, man. I'm to talk about college basketball, boy. Oh my <laughs> goodness, y'all have been seeing this this March Madness tournament, bro. Oh my gosh, amazing basketball play! This is what March is all about, bro. And I and I wish I was in the gym. I keep saying this over and over. <laughs> I was in the gym, man. I would love to be. In indianapolis right now watching mm-hmm. illinois gets upset um you know watching all these others watching all these upper seated teams these big 10 teams whatever getting stomped out and, and surprising everybody like again th- other than like the finals and the playoffs for the nba the march is like the best sport or the best time for for, for sports fans you know and i I, I'm, I might talk about this on my own someday but like March Madness and college football playoffs. I think March Madness takes it every time. And I think uh, it's, it's amazing to see. And that's my final thought right there.
0: Ian, any final thoughts?
3: Yeah,
2: four things, four things. Uh, one, shout out to the Rockets, man. It should be a national holiday because they just won their first game since February 4th. Shout out to the Rockets. My goodness. You see John Wall hug Steven Silas, man. They knew that they were in trouble. Anyway, shout out to them uh number two free Bradley bill you already know that should have been coming as many times I've been saying this on the podcast free Brad that man is one struggle meal away from just I don't even know honestly at this point but just uh, we need we need to help that man out um number three uh stay tuned for what I got on uh my pod um if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram or whatever I'm gonna be talking I mean granted this is a basketball podcast but I will be talking about my thoughts on the Deshaun Watson situation. So that should be a good episode. Um, as honestly, those are some of my best episodes anyway. And lastly, kind of like what, you, what we've been talking about, uh, it's a lot of stuff is coming down to the wire almost. Uh, I mean, this is the time where whether to be an NBA, obviously March Madness where the Canadian rapper Drake once said in a song called 9 AM in Dallas, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. The theory is brilliant. This is the time to show that you got it. Simple as that. Oral Roberts showed that they got it. You know what I mean? Loyola Chicago was showing that they got it. Nice. You see what I'm saying? So this is what I'm talking about. You can do whatever. This is honestly a message to the Bucks and the Clippers. You can do whatever you want in the regular season. You can do whatever you want in September, October, November, Christmas. Congratulations, you got yourself a little Christmas Day gift, whatever. But if you ain't doing nothing in March and April, and when this all said and done comes down to the playoffs and you're not doing anything, what was all this for? You clearly don't got it when it matters. And that honestly goes to everybody. Like I'm about to graduate. If I just start lacking off, you know, like what is what does that mean? If I'm starting to lack off on my studies, that's basically telling people I don't got it. And I know I got it. So that's that's honestly to everybody. Prove you got it.
3: Yes, sir, it's the best time in the world to bet just bet on yourself. So bet on yourself, sure. Amen.
0: Just to just to add another Drake quote in there. We'll see what's about to happen next. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, which team do you believe could be a sleeper in their respective conferences? This, this has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. We'd like to thank our guest, Ian Evans from The Impact, Brooks Warren from Hear Me Out. Of course, it's always a pleasure to have our friends on the podcast. And, of course, we will see you guys next episode. Peace!